God is good. We're going to continue on for a couple weeks here uh, and talk a little bit uh, about character and character in the life of the believer. I think it's very important. Pastor Bill has always shared and always taught us, you know, as his children and, and, and really as people who we've, many of us, you know, outside of the house, Corey and some others and Dan and, you know, Joe is a, bro- a son-in-law and he always shares about integrity and he always shares about character. And you have to be what we would consider a man of integrity. You know, victory was for a while. That's what the men's motto was. You know, we're men of integrity. We're people who are going to stand by our word. We're going to do what we say we're going to do. We're going to be who God called us to be, and we're going to follow after God with all of our heart. And no matter what the situation, no matter how sticky it is, or no, no matter how, how much we don't think we can do it in our own strength, no matter how many answers we don't have, we know that God has all the answers, that with Him we can do all things, and that we need to be men who will be able to stand out in the dark days. See, and if you're going to be a person who walks with great character and in integrity, you're going to stand out in this world today. I don't know what you see and face necessarily in, in your workplace, but you can look at the political realm, and we did last week, and just to review for just a little bit what we talked about, we talked about character issues and how they're, they're all over the news. Your local congressman, your local senators, somebody's making a mistake, somebody's going behind the table to get money here, somebody's sleeping with somebody else over there, and somebody's breaking their commitments over here. It's all of these issues and all of these things that are going on all over the country. And for many people... They're okay if you don't get caught. You know, they say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. If I, if I don't get caught, it's all right. And it's only wrong if you get caught. Well, that's not true. I spent a lot of time when I taught trying to teach kids right and wrong because they had no sense of right and wrong. Right was whatever they felt like they wanted to do at the moment. And I would say, well, you can't do that. Why? Because it's wrong. Well, I want to. Well, who cares? You're going to get in trouble. No, I won't. Yeah, you will. And sure enough, you know, they end up at the principal's office. You know what I mean? You can't just do everything that you want whenever you want. We talked about Tiger Woods for just a moment and talked about his character issues and character flaws. And if you followed that story at all over the last year, we said he was the person who people looked on as the squeaky clean Mr. Right, Mr. On Top of Everything, $110 million a year in endorsements, not including the money he makes swinging the stick, just in endorsements. People who wanted him to, to, to just go out there and hold up their product. And then all of this stuff that's behind the see all the stuff that's behind the door, all the stuff that you've stuffed in the closet and kind of kept your foot there to hold shut. Eventually, someday, you've told your kids this, the truth always comes out. Eventually, all those character issues and all those character flaws will find their way out. And when they do, it's, it could be messy. And in his life, he's lost $60 million a year in endorsements. People don't want to talk to him. They don't really want to be around him. Now, will he eventually gain those things back? I, I don't know. I don't know. Will his life change? Will his character change? Will he become? You always have that thought then in the back of your head, don't you? Man. Maybe he's fooling us again. And as a believer, we don't necessarily want to live our life with stuff stuffed in a closet somewhere. It's actually, Jesus came, died on the cross, so that we could, we could come into his world, come and be, be born again, and we could, we could get rid of all of the junk, be made new, and basically your closet's cleaned out. And so from that point, as you go forward in him, don't leave anything in the closet. 
Don't run back and put anything in the closet. Don't hold some of you back. And we said people today, and and what we talked about, we want people today to have character that we deal with, but I don't want anybody pointing fingers at me and my character. I mean, you don't want to buy a a, a used car from a a cruddy salesman who doesn't have any character, the shady guy on the side. But when somebody begins to talk to you about your character, well, I don't want to get into that. But I I want my teachers, the kids, people who are teaching my kids, I want them to be people of good character. By golly, they should be the most upstanding citizens because they're shaping America's youth. And why are they doing all that stuff? And then the kid looks at you and says, well, you do that too. Shh, it's not about me. (laughs) See, it's about them. And when you talk to your children about character in their life, they turn the finger back on you all the time. You know, I told you that example of that kid whose mom, she said, you need to go to church more because it's going to be where you're going to be better and all these kind of things. Well, that was right. That's true. But when he said to her, well, you need to go to church too. And she said, no, no, don't mind your own business. Don't talk to me. And I told her, he's right too. You need to be in church. We're all about character in somebody else, but we're not necessarily all about character in us. And we defined character last week. We said it's the will to do what's right as God defines right, regardless of the cost. It's the will to do what's right as God defines what's right, regardless of the cost. That without character, you're just like everybody else. And if Jesus came and died on the cross for us, then we should be the people who have the greatest character and the most integrity as we walk out those doors. But what do people say many times about Christians? What do they say many times? Because there's been examples of people who have messed up. Because they've been examples of, you know, they call them televangelists and all those things who have made a ton of mistakes. People begin to take those sins and put them on everybody else. But I'm telling you what, you can't go blame, you know, Jimmy Swaggart. If you're the one that's messing up and somebody calls you on it, if God's speaking to you about a character issue in your life, you need to get that straight and get that right. And you can't go blaming other people for it. Oh, well, they're always on Christians. Well, yeah, because many times Christians are a little bit two-faced. It's quiet. But, you know, <laughs> whoo, that was really quiet. Many times we, you know, we want to say one thing, but then we act another way. And, and I, I, you know, I could be guilty of that at times, too, where I'm trying to go. My daughter's the one I've told you. I told you last week. She'll call me on it and say, Dad, well, that's not what you said in church on Sunday. Darn, I didn't think you were listening. Ah. But she does. She listens. She pays attention. Now, I could say, well, you're not living it either. Now, what's that going to be? The 43-year-old dad and the 17-year-old girl going, uh-uh, is so, am too, am not. I'm not, you know, I mean, you're going to live like that? It's more like, you know what? I'm sorry, sweetheart, you're right. I was wrong. I made a mistake. And I'm supposed to be an example, not just of a godly man in her life, but an example everywhere that I go of Jesus Christ, and so are you. And so as we go out those doors and we say this is who we are, then we better be that person. And we better not allow these flaws, these character issues. And we all have things that God is dealing with on the inside of us. He is dealing with things. You know, she works, Rachel works in a, in a all fired up. It's a pottery store. And so she, you know, they, they buy all those things and then they fire them in the kiln and do all that kind of stuff. When you're messing with clay and dealing with clay, if there's a little pocket or a little imperfection in the clay and there's a little bit of air bubble in there or something, when the heat comes, the stuff will absolutely explode and it tears everything up in the kiln. In your life, when the heat comes, what happens? What comes out of your mouth? When the heat comes, what do you think? When the heat comes, how do you act? 
Like Pastor Bill used to say, when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, toothpaste comes out. When you squeeze a believer who's, who's really truly following after the will of God and being led by the word of God and the, and the Holy Spirit, when you squeeze them, the word of God comes out, faith comes out, truth comes out. But if they're dealing with things, if there's issues and there's stuff that they're trying to cram down in the closet, when the heat comes and the fire comes, the closet doors spring open and all the skeletons come out. And then you spend the next week trying to get them all backed up, gathered up, and you're apologizing to everybody as you back yourself up and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again, I won't do that again. And you get them all back in the closet and you, foof, you shut the door, you nail it shut. Amen. <laughs> Gorilla glue it shut so it won't come open again. <laughs> but see, that, but, but what happened to the stuff? See, you picked it all back up and you ran back out here and you put it back in the closet. You didn't deal with the stuff. You just hid it. And if you don't ever deal with the stuff at the root, if you don't ever take care of those things, those character issues and those character flaws are going to come back to bite you every time. And it only gets worse and worse. We said that character is the oil of relationships. It's the thing that makes relationships work. Think about it in, in your home. Think about it in a marriage relationship many times. If a man and a wife, you know, a man and a woman, as they're married and they're together, if they don't live their life with great integrity and great character, the relationship begins to get a little ooky. That's my wife's word, ooky. She says it all the time. See, if there's infidelity in the relationship or there's something along the lines where there's lies and there's trust that's broken, those are character issues and character flaws. And now how does that affect the relationship? See, if you work in a business or you work in an office where, where one person doesn't necessarily have the highest character and they're lying and talking behind somebody else's back and they're saying all these other things, you know, to get somebody else fired or to get somebody else's job, then what, what, is the, what is the atmosphere like in the place? And that an engine is made of thousands of parts. I've said this and I said it last week. Made of thousands of parts to work together in harmony to go a certain direction if there's oil, if there's lubricant there to make that happen. And if there isn't, then those very pieces that were put together begin to tear the thing apart. I said, well, I know from experience a couple times, you know, there was the safari wagon of mine and the CRX of Joe's that both apparently can't run without oil. I didn't realize that. But when I heard this explained to me one time and I heard this example, I thought, oh, I know what you mean. It'll seize up on you real quick on the highway, four in the morning, on the way to UPS to work for the morning shift. It does happen. But in a marriage relationship, if those things begin to happen and you don't deal with those things, then the oil begins to dry, drain out, and then all of a sudden there's no character in the relationship and the thing starts to be torn apart. The very thing that God put together, see, the very relationship that God put man and woman together, he picked you and picked her, and they put them together, and now God's got it right there and everything's going the right direction, then how does that thing become haywire six years later? Well, there's been character issues. There's been sin that's entered in. There's been something that's got in there, drained to that character and that integrity out of the relationship. Something's happened in somebody's life. Doesn't mean that it has to happen in both lives. Maybe it happened in one life. And if those things aren't fixed, then all that will drain out of the relationship, and those two people will begin to drive each other to smithereens. The relationship. We said in Matthew, the key then, really, what we talked about, the foundation of character in our life, the key was the word of God. And we use Matthew chapter 7 as our as our passage that we read from that the smart man the wise man builds his house says therefore whoever hears these saints of mine and does them see not just hears them but does them i will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock that when the rains come and the wind comes and it beats upon the house and does those things and blows that it does not fall for it was founded on the rock 
And that for us in our lives, if we're going to be people of character, we're going, to be, we're going to be men and women of integrity as we walk out those doors and we begin to talk to people about Jesus, begin to live our life in the... See, we're living our life in a spotlight outside those doors, everywhere that you go. We do so, though, with great character, knowing that Jesus has created us, he's called us, he's appointed us, he's, he's given us all of the provision in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit so that we can go out those doors and we can hold our head high and we don't have to look behind us. We don't have to worry about what we said. We don't have to worry about the skeletons in the closet because it says, if I'm born again, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have been passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. So in my life, I'm going to go forward in Christ. I make mistakes and maybe I do sin here or I make a mistake over there, but it says that God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. So if I will take the time, repent before God and say, I am sorry, sir, I have made a mistake and I have messed up. I want to get up today and I want to go out there and I want to go get them and I'm not going to do that again. He says, all right, my son, all right, my daughter, let's go. Come on, let's get out there. And we go back out there the same way. Clean, white as snow, new creature in Christ. We grow. You're going to make mistakes. You grow through mistakes. The idea is not to make the mistakes again. And the idea that not just that we live our life by the word of God or in the word of God or knowing the word of God, built on that foundation, but we do so in faith. You have to have faith because I, 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 don't have, I don't believe that I can go out there and, and do everything that God told me to do in my own strength. I don't know if I can get off this thing and walk to the door without falling down, you know? But with God, it says all things are possible, and I have to believe that because he is who he is and he's done what he's done, and because he loves me like he loves me, and he created me like he did, then I can go out and I can live the life that he's called me to live, and that's a faith walk life. So you have to have a good foundation, and you have to have faith. And those are the two things, you know, that we talked about last week in character. This week we'll talk about character, because character in the, in the life of the believer has to grow. It, it, it's like being a young person. You can't be a four-year-old and say, I want to drive. You have to get from four to 16 first. You know, I mean, you go driving around at eight years old, you're probably going to get in trouble. You might wreck your car, you might end up dead. How many of you know? I mean, you've got to grow in Christ. You have to mature in the world, in the Word. You have to go that direction. There, there are self-help books everywhere that help you be what you want to be. But nobody, we said last week, will say again today, you cannot help yourself have better character. There's a book, if you want to be a better cook, you can go out and get a cookbook. I mean, anybody can follow the steps in a cookbook and make something. You know, I mean, if, if you want to be a better photographer, you go get a book on photography. You read the book, you, take, you practice, you do your things, you get better at it. The Word of God helps us in our pursuit of good character. Or the Word of God helps us in our pursuit of becoming like Jesus, but we can't do that. We can't perform that in our life. You can't go buy somebody, you can't go buy a book that gets you better character. Why would you buy that anyway? You think you got good character. And you can't go give a book to somebody else that says, hey, you need good character. Here's a book on that. Because that's going to get you slapped. I mean, there's books to help you do everything, but I, didn't, I haven't seen a, a four-set DVD that helps you get better character. Why? Because there's nobody's going to buy that. Because I got good character. I'm all right. Just don't go in the closet. Have you ever cleaned your house for company to come over, and they came over and you said, yeah, just don't go in there. It's all good. Everything's great here. Just don't go back there. Why? What's in there? Nothing. See, and I think sometimes, you know, as believers, we come into church and God's trying to get in your closet. And you're going, it's all good here, God. We're all good here. Praise the Lord. No, don't go in the closet. This closet's good. It's clean. 
See, but God wants to get in your closet because that's something that's going to hold you back from being all that he created you to be. That's a flaw or something in your life, or maybe it's a mistake in sin, or maybe it's something back there that nobody else knows about. But God does. And so really, truly, how do, how do we get good character as believers then? I mean, that becomes a key. Brad's being bad back there in the back row. Think so. Thanks, Mike. Take care of him. I mean, if it's not possible for us, really, truly, if it's not possible for us to make our character better, I mean, I can try to hold my, I can try to be a man of my word, but there, I mean, there are just things in my life that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do. I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to mess up. But you need God to help you. See, how does your character grow? It has, it has to be a faith thing because we can't do it ourselves. We can't improve our character. It's not produced, character's not produced by us. It's produced through us by God. Character is something that is born through Christ, and it's, it's in our life as we're born again, then it's pursued and, and, and it's, it's produced through us. We don't get better at it. I mean, I can get better at pic- taking pictures. I can get better at cooking, but I can't get better at character. The character is the part. See, the character is, is like walking in your life like Jesus. Can you walk like Jesus? No. But if you allow him to live his life through you, you can. And character in the life of the believer works the same way. It comes, it's produced through you, not by you. It's a God thing. He has to be the one who produces it. See, people think with enough time, with enough talent, with enough determination, I could be anything that God called me to be. Well, I believe that you could be anything that God called you to be, but not in your own strength. See, they think, well, if I just take enough time, if I just get God gets me down the road this far, then I can get the rest of the way because I'm smart enough. I've read the word. I understand what it says. I know his promises. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I've gotten this far. So if I just take a little extra time, if God wants to do it in three years, but if I do it re- really hard, and what if I take six years? Can I get there in six years on my own? Because it's a little easier if I do the work and not him. See, that's, like, that's, like, that's what we're trying to say. I can get there. Well, no, you can't. You may wander around for six years, but you'll never get there. And as God's plan was three years. What, what does that do to us? See, you might be able to be a better whatever, a cook or, or whatever that might be, but you can't be a person with better, inte- better integrity or better character. You can't do that. It is, it is him doing it through you. Now get this. This is a little bit of a news flash. I had to write this. Now these are all things that God's been sharing with me. So I'm just kindly sharing them with you too so I don't have to be the only person dealing with all this stuff. But the news flash is you cannot do God things or be, or be God people your way. So you, you can't do God things, and you can't be what you would consider to be godly people your way. It has to be whose way? God's way. You can try, but you're not going to have any good fruit for your efforts. You end up stubborn because you know, you know what? Forget it. I, I'm going to be that, but I'm not going to do that. And that's what we say to God sometimes. And really, when it comes to moments and parts and pieces of your character, you're not the person who's going to fix that. No matter how much time you give yourself, no matter how much effort you put into it, you won't be able to grow character or produce character in your life. That's going to be something that God's going to do his way through you. Think of it this way. We're looking for a building. And Pastor Bill, we've got a building that's down there. I mean, we're headed that direction. But what if I said, you know, well, you know what? We've got these plans. And they're really good plans. 
You know, we found this thing. This is what we're going to build. This is what we're going to do. And I'm going to give a Bill O'Brien. He's pretty, you know, he's a pretty good guy. And he can build a lot of things. So I give Bill like these plans. And they're like, you know, four inches thick. It's the plans for the building. And I say, you know, here you go, man. Go build me a building. Well, even though Bill's somewhat talented in the, in the art of construction, he, he probably can't go out no matter how much time. Okay, Bill, just tell you what. You know what? You take five, six years. Take 10 years and go build us this building. Bill couldn't go out and build that building. I mean, he could give it his best effort, you know, and he's going through the plans and trying to do things. But the plans, the building, it's way beyond what he can do in his own strength. It's way beyond what he could perform. It's way beyond what he could do. Even if he had the best plans, if he had the most money and all the time, he still couldn't do that. It's too far beyond him. In your life, see, trying to, trying to be a better person, see, trying to be a better this or be a better that, I'm trying to, trying to make sure that I'm a man of great character and I'm trying to be a person that I'm trying to be, a person of integrity. What that sets me up for a lot of the times is just disappointment in my life because I can't do it. I'm not saying God's going to work through me these things. I'm not going to say that, you know what, with God all things are possible and he's going to make me and help me be a better father. He's going to help me and make me have great character. He's going to make me and help me have integrity in my life. He's going to... See, that's different than I am going to, I am going to, and I am going to. And when you get in those positions where it's I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the, you're in trouble. Character is produced through you by the power of the Holy Spirit in accordance with God's word. It doesn't happen the other way. Look at Galatians in chapter 5, and this is important because character acts like this. In Galatians in chapter 5, you know this, it's the, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And here's the idea. Think of it this way. You know, you're a good guy, you want, you, want to have, you want to have great character, and you want to be a man or a woman of integrity, and you want to do all these things. But you know what? I don't want to listen to what God has to say. I don't necessarily want to do it God's way. Well, that's going to be trouble. You know, and, and it's the same thing when you dealt with your children. Now, here's the, here's the deal. You've told your children that's impossible. You've told them many times, you can't do that and be that way and still expect this. It doesn't happen then why would we as adults then think that that's different? Because we're older and smarter and, you know, we know so much more. See, we would be very quick to, to remind our child that that doesn't work. We'd be very quick to remind our teenager that they get bad grades in school, they will not be driving their car. Why? Well, because that's a privilege, not a right. And you know, all the rules and the things that we say, but God is saying, you can't have all the blessings that I have for you unless you live my word. Well, why not? See, why can't I? Because you're not following the plan. And that's important, but it says in Galatians, and here's the idea. We all want probably the fruit of the spirit in our life, but what we have to understand is we can't walk in the flesh and have the fruit of the spirit manifest because those two things are different seeds. And seeds reproduce after, reproduce after their own kind. And it says in, in verse 16, I said, then walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And it says, and these are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. And when you turn the page, it says, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And this is the deal. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentious, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfishness, ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. 
Now, you can't be active. So this is flesh against spirit. And, and character is a spirit issue in your life. Being like Jesus on this earth is not possible for the human flesh, but it's possible for the spirit man. See, it's possible if you walk in the spirit and not the flesh. And, and, and if you're here tonight and you say, you know, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Well, then let's give Jesus an opportunity to make a difference. Because I know that he makes the difference in those issues. And we don't want to act like this and hope for the... See, we've got to walk in the spirit because the seed is the thing that reproduces the fruit in your life. And it says, you know, as you plant a seed, you're going to reap that like kind in your life. And so we have to be careful as men and women of God that we realize that Jesus is the model. But just because we have the model before us and we have the model right here doesn't mean that we're able to walk out and just be the model. Bill can look at all the buildings in the world and he can say, Bill, you need to build that building over there and here's the plans. He can't can't make that building just because he's looking at the picture of the building and he has the plans. He He has to have the knowledge and he has to have the wisdom and he has to have the leading and he has to have the directing. He has to have the guidance. He has to have the funding. He has to have all the things. They're all beyond him even though he's got a model. And we can say that as believers, Jesus is our model and we have the word of God and it's to help us and the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us and he speaks to us and leads us and guides us. So now all of those things are at our disposal, but will we use them? See, will we allow him to work in us? Will we allow him to shape us and to mold us? Will we allow him to, you know, like Rachel, you know, knock the Oreos out of my hand, so to speak. She did that too a couple times over break. I about laid her out right in the kitchen. (laughs) Don't knock those Oreos out of my hand. I've got to scurry along and fight the dogs for them at that point. Come on, man, those are, those are still good cookies. But when you're doing something, see, when you, the Holy Spirit, he convicts. And you have to allow him to do those kind of things. You have to allow him that in your life. And Jesus, it says in Romans, you know, and I don't need to read the scriptures. It's in Romans in chapter 8. It says he was really the firstborn, man. He was going to be the one that, that God set up as the example for all of us to follow in. And it was predestined and we were conformed and, you know, to be like Jesus. That was the plan. Then how do we end up being like Jesus? Because I know I've tried in my own strength. I've tried for a lot of years. And when I've tried in my strength, I've failed. When I've tried to be more like him, I've only got myself in a bigger mess. So how in the world then is it possible that we as human beings could end up like he is the model, he is the thing? How can Bill make the building then? I mean, if, if Bill sees the building, he's got a model, he's got the plans, how can he do that? How in our life can character be produced? What can we do? We have to allow him to work through us. Now watch this, because this is really cool. In John in chapter 15. It says in verse 5, it says, abide in me. I'm oh, sorry, in verse 5 it says, I am the vine and you are the what? The branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. See, the fruit of the Spirit, he bears much fruit. Fruit is the end product. And what do we want? We want to have good character. We want to be people of integrity. Then what do we do? We abide in him. Where does the fruit come from? If you look at the vine, the fruit didn't just pop out on the end of the thing. Now, that's where it is. But truly the life, the thing that brought that fruit into existence came from the vine. It came through the vine into the branches, through the branches and produced fruit. And it said, who is the branches? Us. And who is the vine? Him. So if you abide in the vine, the life, see, the character of Jesus will flow through the vine into the branches and be produced through us. See, they don't just have branches and the fruit's on the vine. The fruit is where? On the branch. 
And that's all of us. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Nothing. See, without him, you can do nothing. Why? Because if you hack the branch off and then set it over here and say, grow fruit, it's not going to grow fruit. Why? Because you're not attached to the vine. You've separated yourself from the life-giving force. And as believers sometimes, even though we want character and integrity to be produced in our lives, we want to live our life that way, we separate ourselves from the, see, we separate ourselves from the, from the vine and we take our branch over here and even if we like dingle it in the water, you know, like, you know, like sometimes you do that, right? You took your little branch and put it in the water and hope that roots grow out and then it's not going to happen. To have fruit, you have to be attached to the vine because the life is in the vine. The abide really in the Greek means to stay or to dwell or to endure or remain. So it would say, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me, he who dwells in me, it's a little bit like Psalms 37, right? Dwell, feed on my faithfulness, all those things, and he will give you the what? Desires of your heart. But you have to abide in him. This was real revelation. I mean, I, I, I've read this scripture many times, but then as I was going through, I thought, oof, that's amazing. See, it's him who makes fruit produce in your life. Not just the fact that you see Jesus, not just the fact that you know this. There are a lot of people who know the word who have no fruit in their life because they're not remaining. See, they're not abiding in the vine. That talks about a, a relationship. That talks about really a being one and a coming together. Can you separate the vine from the branch? I mean, they're together. And you have to know this a little bit about, about grapes and the way that they're grown. Aren't, you know, if you, there's, a, there's a guy uh, north of town, and he's got a little, little vineyard-looking thing, and it's on the golf course out there at Ravines. And I, and I look at it all the time when we're out there, and uh, there's a, there, it looks like a mess of just nothing. But they're all hanging. They're not on the ground. They're all up in the air, and they're all hanging. And if you go and you look in verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it says he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may be bear more fruit. And that the takes away part really truly is, a, is about lifting up. And that he, re, he repositions things. Maybe you in your life just need to be repositioned. See, maybe you're in a place where now you've given up hanging on the vine and being, being part of the vine. And you're laying in the ground and there's not any fruit in the ground. There's no sunlight. There's no anything. In a vineyard, it all hangs over the top. And everything is produced out here and not under here. But it says that not only does he just cut it off, but it says really truly that he lifts it up. So maybe he repositions you and puts you in a place. But he doesn't hack, he doesn't say he just takes the branches that are broken all off and throw them away. He just take, he lifts the ones up that are attached to the vine into a better position so that they can bear fruit. And the ones who are bearing fruit, it says he prunes back and he clips back. It's always about growth and it's always about better and it's always about forward. But we have to be willing to let him do that. See, if you, if you understand this idea that it's about abiding in the vine and remaining in him, then it begins to take away disappointment about your own failures. It takes away disappointment about your own ability not to do it. I think sometimes I get so focused on the fact that I can't do what God wants me to do, that in my own strength, I just don't have it, that I don't have the wisdom, and I don't have the, the opportunity, and I, I don't have the money to do it, and I don't think I am smart enough to do it, and I, all of those things. See, all of a sudden, we're down the path of all the reasons why we can't be people of integrity and we can't have character in our life and why we can't do what God called us to do. And all he's saying was, you just get back on the vine over here. 
just abide in the vine because the life, see, you've separated yourself now and you've started walking around and now you're a branch with legs. And your branch is now cut off and you're wandering around trying to say, well, I think I can make it. I think if I do this, it'll be okay. If I do that, it might be okay. Oh, I don't know and I can't. And then all of a sudden you're out here somewhere and you realize I'm withering away and I'm drying up and nothing's happening in my life. Where, where's the life? Where did it all go? What's going on? He didn't hack you off and throw you out the door. You drug yourself that way. You pulled yourself off of the vine because you began to think about what you see. Think about me, and I think about I, I think about us, and I think about I don't think about him. It says remain, dwell, stay with him. If you, it says if you remain, it says abide in me and I in you. It says and the branch in verse 4, as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Separate, it means you're nothing. He's still something, but separate, you're nothing. But with him, you're everything. Because with him and in him is everything. And that's where the life comes from. And if, and if, and if you and your life, you said, you know what, I can't just, I can't help it. I'm just like that. If you abide in the vine, you won't be. No, but I know the word. I didn't say know the word. See, I didn't say just read it. I didn't say just, you know, go to church sometimes. I didn't even say go watch Joyce Meyer on TV. The word doesn't say if you watch Joyce Meyer on TV, you'll bear much fruit. I didn't see that. Sorry, Joyce. I believe, though, if you understand what she said, you get a revelation of it and do it in your life, you'll bear much fruit, just in case she hears this. You never know. It says, he who abides in me, not he who watched Joel Osteen on TV, not he who finishes VBI. Not he, now, I'm not saying VBI is not. VBI might be a part of you abiding in him. See, listening to Joel Osteen and being a part of that, that might be part of you abiding in him. Listening to Joyce Meyer or going to one of her conferences, that might be part of you abiding. I'm not, I'm not discounting all of those things. But I'm saying you can't go after those things thinking that's where the good stuff is. The good stuff's in the vine. And if you'll abide in the vine, he'll abide in you. And you will bear much fruit because without him, though, you're nothing. And you have to be careful because I think we really truly are being looked on in this world a little differently. And I think this is a great opportunity for the body of Christ to rise up in a way like they haven't risen up before. See, the world, not just the world is ripe, our country is ripe, our state, our community, they're all ripe for. See, they're all harvest. It says that the harvest, the, 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 the harvest is white. It's ready to come in. Pray for the laborers, Jesus said in John. We live in that time right now. But I'm telling you, if you're not attached to the vine, you're not going to be bringing in any harvest. And not just souls, but in your own life, you'll begin to struggle. In your own life, you, you dry up. But here's the thing, and, and I think many times that people get these two things confused. One of the keys really to abiding in him is you have to think and act relationally. It's a relationship with God, not just a religion. You can't just act religiously and think it's going to work. It's relational. See, abiding in the vine is about relationship. And if I just wanted to cross off the X's and the dot, the T's or the I's or however you say that, you know, in marriage, what if you just did that in marriage? What if you said, you know what, contractually we're to be together? So since we're contractually joined, I will fulfill my part of the contract. Now, that's what, many times that's what religion is, right? It's like checking things off the box. 
And, and even in a church like this, people can become religious like that, where, you know, you go to church on Sundays, and I was there on Wednesdays, and I checked those things off. And the whole meantime, while Pastor Pam or Pastor Bill or I'm preaching, everybody's going like this, I don't know, man. Like last week when we said, boy, it looked like they were really doing it. No, they just love chicken. And they were thinking about chicken. You know, have you ever preached and you looked out and you thought, man, they're really getting it. But they don't get it. They just really like chicken. They're thinking, man, that chicken was good. But they're going, oh, yeah, mm, that's good chicken. About that time, a guy that was here told somebody else, how do you know that I was thinking about chicken? <laughs> it was it's David Holman. He left after church. And he was like, he was riding the van home with somebody. I don't remember, was it with you, Alyssa? And he said, how did Pastor John know I was thinking about chicken? <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> I didn't know you were thinking about chicken, but... See, you get religious about things, you know, and and it doesn't become about relationship anymore. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm driven to do these four things because if I don't do these four things, then I'm going to be just, see, it's all about me. If I don't do this, this, and this, then it's not going to, it's not, it's not about a relationship with him. And in a marriage relationship, truly, if you want to see that work and you want to see it flourish, you make it about who? The other person. Marriage relationships don't work if you make it about you. You have to make it about them. See, if I spent all my, and I like it to be about me, by the way. So, I mean, <laughs> it's worked out really well that everything that she likes is what I want. So that works out perfect. But, but see, in a marriage relationship, you think about it in your own marriage. When do things go right, men? When you're paying all of your attention and you're taking all the decisions that you make and all of the things that you think and all the things that you're doing in your home are all to please your wife. How would that be? That'd be fantastic. Well, then why isn't it like that? Because we begin to think about us and how much work that might be and how hard that would be. And you don't know about this wicked woman I live with. And, you know, all, the, you know, all of a sudden, see, you start making stuff up. But, but I, I didn't read anywhere in Ephesians where it said, love your wife like Christ loved the church unless she's rude to you. And then you could be really mean and you can just not talk to her anymore. And you can tell her, submit, woman. It doesn't say that. See? They're kind of mutual. It's relational. See, it's about the other person. And in a relationship with Jesus, in a relationship with God, it's about him, not you. And if you make it about him, let me tell you what, he will absolutely shock you with his goodness. And you will see the greatness of God manifest in your life. But you have to make it about him. It has to be relational and not just religious. It's not just about coming to church and checking off a box. It's about association and not, you have to understand this, so just bear with me for a second. It's about association and, and not imitation. And I know in Ephesians, you know, when it says imitate me, you know, and it, what, he, what he's saying is do the things that I'm doing. Imitate the, the way that I follow after God in my heart. Don't just imitate me as a person. When Daniel was little, he imitated Pop. I mean, he did, he did what he did and did all those kind of things. But really, relationally with Christ, this imitate, be imitators of Christ, talks about your relationship with him. Understand the truths that I understand. Live your life in accordance with the word the way that I do. Don't wear the same shoes as me. See, the the victory that you have isn't in getting a snazzy jacket and wearing it like Pastor Bill. It's about understanding the word of God and having, see, it's about understanding the word and having a revelation of what it means and having a relationship with Jesus Christ like Pastor Bill. See, not necessarily driving the same car as Pastor Bill. (laughs) Said he didn't know about that. (laughs) It's a Park Avenue, man. So, you know, I mean, it's a nice ride. 
It's got a sunroof. It's sharp looking. But see, just having that car isn't going to get you. See, not, just, just having the same shoes he wears isn't going to get you there. But loving and worshiping and having that kind of relationship with God like he does, that's going to do that in your life. That's what you imitate. So I'm not saying, you know, don't just be an imitator of somebody, but associate with. See, if you're in association with or you're an associate, it means to enter into a union, to unite, to join together as partners. Imitate just means to follow as a model or impersonate. Don't just impersonate people who know Christ. Get into an association with Christ. Get into a union with him. See, hooked together as partners. John and Peter at the gate was the story that God gave me. You know, it said, uh, when you walk up in that situation and, and they, look on, they look upon this thing, they, what do they think first? Man, I, what do they say even? I can't help you. I don't have what you're looking for. But if you read that, it says, Peter and John went up together through the temple at the hour of prayer. And a certain man that was lame from his mother's womb was carried, and they laid him daily at the gate of the temple. And it said, this guy saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, and he fixed his eyes in, in, in asking for alms. And it said, in fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And then the man, it says, gave them their attention, expecting to receive something from them. And it said, Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. The thing that you were looking for I don't have. But he said, what I do have I give you. Now, see, if you don't have a relationship, if you're not in an association with Christ, then you don't have anything to give in this situation because apparently you don't have money and then you can't give what Peter has because you don't have that because you're not abiding in the vine. I'm not saying you're not, but I'm just, you know, I mean, in that story, in that situation, that would be the case. But if we're abiding in the vine, then we're in the same kind of position. And he says, silver and gold I don't have, but in, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, why rise up and walk? And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaped about. He stood and he walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. He said, well, what does that have to do with me? And, and how, how would that happen in my life? They were with Jesus. See, they were in association with him. They were in relationship with him. They were not imitating him. They were giving him the thing that was already on the inside because they had been abiding in the vine and the fruit was being born out in their life. And if you look in chapter four and go back in verse 13, it says, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So obviously, them having been with Jesus, he had to have imparted something into their life. And it was because of who they were. It wasn't because, see, because it said they were untrained and unskilled guys. But it was because this happened. They reached out and were able to do this thing. Why? Because they were with Jesus. Not just because they were guys and not just because they were in the right place at the right time. They even knew that they were untrained and uneducated guys. They thought there's no way that this could happen. And people may have told you all your life that there's no way that you can be like, there's no way you can stop doing that in your life because your uncle did it and your grandpa did it. And you're... That's not true. That's a lie. People may be looking at you and saying you're untrained and uneducated, but what you have to return to the thing to them and say, you know what, but I've been with Jesus. See, and I can say, right, I've been with Jesus. So I know that that can change. I know that I can stop. I know that it can be different. I, see, and you might not be able to meet that need in that person's life, but because you've been with Jesus, you will. And the third thing that you don't want to do, or what you want to think, don't think you can't. Think that he can. Don't think that you can't. Don't know what you know. Think that he can. 
Because see, it all goes, if you're in relationship, or if you're in association, if you're abiding in the vine, the fruit is coming out in your life. And it's not you anyway. You cannot produce fruit. We've already gone through that. You can't make grapes grow on your tree. But he can. And if you will abide in him, then that stuff will come out in you. And you have to realize, you have to get the revelation, it is not you making that fruit. See, Peter and John said what? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and he rises up and he walks. It had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with him. And because they relinquished their own will, because they abided with Jesus, because they had an association, they had a relationship with him, they knew they couldn't do that thing, but they knew that Jesus could. And in our lives, we have to get that same revelation. I don't know what you face, but I have been taught in this church for the last 21 years, Jesus is the answer. That perplexed me as a younger person. But as an adult, I can't tell you what that means, but I can tell you that it's true. That whatever you face in your life, Jesus is the answer. He will make a way where there is no way. He will open up a door that no man could ever open. He'll shut a door that no man can shut. He'll provide healing for you in your life when the doctor has a bad report. He will bring abundance into your life when you have nothing. He'll bring joy into your life when there's sadness. He'll bring peace into your life when you're all confused and anxious. He will make a way. He'll bring a job. He'll bring a house. He'll bring a person. He'll bring a thing. He always makes a way. He always has an answer. Every time. But if you're not abiding in him, where are you going to be? If you're that stick out there trying to find your own way and make your own way, you're never going to have the fruit in your life. The answers come as fruit in your life. Get your eyes off the prize. Get your eyes on Jesus and allow him to make that difference in you. And here's the situation and here's the thing because we all go out of this place and we all face temptations and things. We said on that first day last week that the idea is not to trade our character for fulfillment and achievement. See, there's fulfillment and achievement in the world, and the world has given up on character to go after the things that they want. But what is fulfillment and achievement? It's all about me. See, it's all about what I want, what I need, what makes me happy, and what I... See, so I don't care about character anymore. I don't care about integrity anymore. I only care if I get what I want. And we use young people as an example, and it's easy to talk to young people and say, you know what, how many of you said you were never going to sleep with somebody before marriage? And they always say, how many of you have this many? Well, why'd you trade that? for a moment of fulfillment or for a moment of achievement. See, why did you trade that in your life? Why was that so easy to do? Because I wasn't abiding in the vine. Because for a moment, I let my guard down. You can't let your guard down for a moment, let alone for a long time. And we said, when that thing happens, when fulfillment and achievement become the desire and they become the direction, see, they become what's right. Not right as God says what's right. Fulfillment and achievement become what's right. I'm going to do whatever it takes so I can see these things happen in my life. And what happens right there is you have cut yourself off from the vine and you have marched yourself out to chase after fulfillment and achievement in your life. You think you may be fulfilled. You think you may be achieving some things. But eventually what you'll find out is you're a dead branch with no fruit. And that is not a good place for the believer to be. Because God didn't create us for that. And here's the thing, we go out and we face the same situations and the same circumstances. Tomorrow you face the same temptations that you face today. You face the same opportunities to trade character for fulfillment and achievement. Whether it's looking at the girl down the street, whether it's, you know, lying to somebody at work, whether it's cheating on your taxes or whatever that might be. Maybe it'd be walking in anger and screaming and yelling or doing whatever that is where you're trading those things away because that person deserved to get what they got, so I gave it to them. Instead of holding my tongue and praying for them like the word says, but they deserved it. So you've traded away something. 
You've traded away character. Ah, but it always is that same guy. It's that same person that I just can't stand. If they could just stay away from me, everything would be all right. No, if you would just abide, everything would be all right. Yeah, but you don't know, man. My husband is a real jerk. You don't know what he does and what he says. I just want to string him up. String yourself up and abide. Be the vine. And if you abide, it may not change the other person. I believe it will. But it may not change the other person, but it'll change you. And that's what really matters. Amen? But you just say that prayer, God. I know I'm going to face things today, temptations and things that have brought me down and caused me to trade all of my integrity and character at that moment for something. You help me. I can't, but you can. And I am a partner with you in this thing that you call life that you've put me in. See, I I am in association with you. And I want to follow after you. I'm in a relationship with you, and I don't want to break that relationship. But I can't, in my own strength, do these things. So today I ask you for your strength, for your wisdom. See, that's abiding. That's abiding in the vine. Then what he's going to do is he's going to work those things out in your life. He's going to be able to miraculously change situations and things, change you, and everything's different. And then the fruit begins to come out in your life. So if we're talking about character, you have to have foundation, you have to have the word of God, and you have to walk by faith, but you have to abide in the vine if you're going to see his character produced through you. It's the only way. Amen? Let's stand up together. Corey's going to come and play. and Take a moment and want to pray for you. Next week, not only abiding, but we start talking about renewal in our life. Because what happens when we want to abide, there's a little bit of a thing that kind of keeps us from going back. It's like there's there's a little resistance in our life that says, yeah, you know, but I swear I could do it if I just had a little more time. See, I I know I could do it. I don't, no, I don't want to, that's, I, I know I could, no, you can't. We'll talk about how to get past that next week too. So just bow your heads right where you are. I want to We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.